You're listening to the Therapy for Women podcast with licensed therapists Amanda White, Fern Formel, and Gabby Salomone. Whether you're contemplating therapy for the first time, already in therapy, or reconsidering it, this podcast will empower you with tips, advice, and plenty of real talk so you can get the most out of your sessions. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Therapy for Women podcast. So glad you're here. Gabby, how are you doing today? I'm feeling okay. You know, it's uh, Friday here in spring. Hopefully the rain has stopped and we can, you know, enjoy that a little bit. But I'm glad to be here today. Always love my Fridays spent with you, friend. Oh, she's so nice. Um, So today we have an exciting guest. We have Julie, one of our licensed social work therapists. Hi, Julie. Welcome. Hi, how are you guys doing? We're good. We're going to add a little bit here because... Julie, you are a licensed clinical social worker, so oh, we yes. got to add that yes. a little right. extra because that's the little a little C. Whole, the yeah. little C. Just, <laughs> it's a whole Apologies. process. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yes, yep. You, deserve, you deserve the recognition. You worked hard for that C. So, yes, you are an LCSW. Yep, so that's correct. When you're not, when you're an MFT mm-hmm. or an LMFT, see, I'm doing it for myself too. So, yep. right. We need those too extras. Many <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too many letters. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. So happy to have you here today with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are, what type of therapy you practice? Yeah. So yeah, I um yeah, licensed clinical social worker. So I come from the background of social work, which I'm just like super passionate about. And I'm passionate about it because really like being rooted in social justice and being able to help people navigate like systems that are really challenging. Um, And I really started my journey as a therapist through the world of adolescence and really specifically starting with substance use in adolescence, which was, you know, an amazing world to get my feet wet. And I met some like incredible people. With that, I branched out to mental health and specifically trauma, finding that trauma really is, you know, for a lot of people at the root of everything. And even just having those tools can be so helpful and healing to so many people. And then, yeah, I joined y'all a couple months ago and I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. When you are practicing, what is your like go-to types of interventions or modalities that you really, really love to embrace and get into with your clients? Yeah. So I am big into DBT, which is, you know, really being able to develop some skills to manage our mood and manage our reactions and how effective we are with other people. And also mindfulness and somatic work, which, you know, just means learning how to tune into our body, notice how we are, you know, feeling triggered in our bodies and healing our nervous system. So those are really things that I'm really passionate about with clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are great things, wonderful things and are super helpful. We just we just did an episode actually talking with um, Kat at the practice about DBT. It's a fantastic fantastic resource. But um, so today we are going to be talking a lot about like adolescence and young adulthood and all of those 
wonderful, I say completely sarcastically, uh, life transitions, as well as what it has been like for teens and young adults these past few years going through, um, you know, the pandemic and, you know, some of the the lasting effects of what it meant to to go through those transitions during that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thinking of that, Julie, what have you kind of seen these last few years as far as these how these transitions have gone, what people are going through, and yeah, just what you're seeing? Yeah. To start, I think something I saw in the past year, which made me kind of laugh in a kind of ironic way is I saw an article that said um, that teenagers and adults weren't really affected by the, um, yeah, the pandemic as much as we think they might. And that things like suicide rates have not really changed and it's a consistent steady rate, which is definitely not true in my lived experience. But yeah, there was, I did a training about this and that was a like scholarly article that came out and it's very much not true, right? Like I think teens, young adults, literally everybody, but in, to narrow down what we're talking about today are really struggling. I mean, imagine, I can't imagine like being in such a huge like precipice of life where you're learning who you are. That's like the stage of life, right? Where you're learning what you care about and what you stand for and who you are and having to be home and not being able to like hang out with your friends and do the things that make the mistakes that adults make, right? When we're coming into the world, it's been incredibly challenging. So even a few years away from the stay at home orders, I think people are still really struggling with things like social skills, with their mental health, with their finances, with just the things that we already struggle with as adults. But now it is to a whole new level that I don't think there's enough out there when it comes to just like that specific transition. Yeah. I think, you know, they just put out this week, the, like the epidemic of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting, you know, that they're saying like loneliness is just as fatal as, you know, smoking and causes all these, you know, physical ailments and, how much were people really impacted by loneliness during the pandemic and, you know, feeling like you were put backwards, maybe even during that time of your life that you're, there's so many big things that were happening. Like I could not imagine, you know, being at college and then like, I lived at home for part of my college life and, but like, I wasn't really there, right? Like it was a financial choice. And like being like, you have to stay home with your mother 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, Gabby, you would never. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I feel like, peace, I'm out. I can't deal with this. But, but you know, in, in all seriousness too, right? Like, I, you know, to your point, Julie, right? Like a lot of people missed out on things like prom and being able to walk across the stage for graduation. Even, um, what's the word I want to use? Like less significant life events, I guess is the word, the phrasing I'm looking for, is being able to like your senior year of college, really being able to live out that senior life of college if you're living on campus or not. And and being able to like go out more with your friends and kind of have it be like a coasting, you know, last semester or something like to just miss out on 
that stage of life just sounds awful, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to actually see that with, so both of my siblings, I'm the oldest, and I had that year a brother graduating from high school and a sister graduating from college. And yeah, it's just like so, it was so like deeply sad for me to not have them experience that. And, you know, if you look at it maybe from someone that's like so far removed from that, it might kind of seem like, well, that's really silly. Like that's not that big of a deal, but it's huge, right? Like it's just closure. People really need that. And to go back to like the loneliness piece too, like movies, TV shows really romanticize like the idea of this stage of life. Like I think we really uh, see so many things about going into college and parties and like that's really the demographic that so many like popular shows are talking about and imagine just like watching that and like just being so deeply sad like you're sitting in your house with your mother like you said like that's and you're like well you know that's my life and a lot of kids you know turn to things that weren't healthy for them and whether like whatever those influences were you know and we talk about like the increase in substance use and things like you know, unprotected sex and, you know, dangerous uses of the internet. You had to navigate the world and uh, experience not really having uh, your prefrontal cortex developed yet, right? (laughs) And in a a very strange way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. With the increase in substance abuse, right? That wasn't just young adults, that was everybody. And, And I think that is also attributed to like that loneliness, maybe some boredom, too, right? Of just being at home and not being able to live your life the way you normally do. But I do wonder, you know, if we could all go do a research study, what that correlation would be to to people that engage in maybe riskier behaviors and how it correlated with their loneliness. I think that would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. And like that, almost like that same like paradox of like, a near-death experience, right? And then, like, getting out of it and being like, I need to do all the things all at once and take a lot of risks and um, that same type of feeling almost there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Julie, for for you, and I, I know you probably can't speak too much on your siblings' experiences, um, unless you already got their permission and then great. <laughs> but have they shared or did, you know, have they ever said what that was like for them? Because you got to see it as their sibling. But what did they share? And again, only if you can tell me, obviously. Um, yeah. What that was like for them. Yeah, I can tell you what I know is that like my sister was so deeply disappointed right like she worked so hard in college and she was involved in a sorority and you know very social kid and like it's just one day waking up and being like oh I'm not gonna be able to see my friends again you know and I just have to deal with that you know and then like many people you know just like the turmoil of just being with your family even if it's things are like generally okay but you know, going back to your family dynamic as you've grown as a person so much in like four years and having to navigate, that's something I talk about with clients all the time is like, I'm a new person and my family's the same. And so how do I just like exist in this like certain family dynamic as who I am? And that can like trigger me so much, you know, like I feel like a little kid. I still, I feel like I'm like 12 years old when my mom says X, Y, and Z to me. Right. You know, and then not 
necessarily my siblings experience but like uh, like people who have talked to me that are like queer people um who you know are out and or maybe use a different name or pronouns than they were used to using growing up and being misgendered constantly like uh at home you know it's it's super traumatic yeah yeah absolutely so you know i guess moving moving away from you know, adolescence and young adulthood and talking about the pandemic and more so just talking generally about these life transitions. How how do you help clients through that that are like, as you said, I'm a new person and I'm with my family and they are the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first, I think it's just like validating that because I think I kind of said in the beginning, like nobody really like talks about this yet. You know, like I don't know how much like research or just like people are really naming this as this very odd three years that we live through and like you know there's no lessons on it like your parents can't walk you through that because they didn't experience it so like validating it being really scary and traumatic and like weird and uncomfortable and frustrating I think can be really helpful for people because uh, especially maybe older people not always, but sometimes can just really invalidate like, oh, you're a kid, you didn't have responsibilities, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, paying your bills or, you know, those kinds of things that adults might say. So talking through that piece, and then just acknowledging maybe the stories or like the real trauma that comes from that, like I said, being misgendered, or you're not being able to say goodbye to your friends or getting sick and not really knowing like what that's about and maybe your whole family got sick and that's super scary having financial challenges and so the validation piece is super real just because what I said like I don't think that there is enough out there about it and then let's talk about like how you feel in your nervous system and how you feel just in your body day to day now that we're kind of coming down from a global pandemic and you know there's what they say is like I can't remember the exact number, but a certain amount of time of uncertainty when it comes to something can really be like a traumatizing experience. Our bodies aren't prepared to deal with a global pandemic and we never grew up learning those kinds of skills. So I talked to a lot of people in their early 20s that feel burnt out and they feel exhausted and fatigued because they just had to enter the workforce and, you know, in a way that maybe other adults haven't before. And so they're not really getting coaching around how to have a Zoom interview and like how to um, have your own routine when you're home all the time and how to regulate that and, you know, how to keep up with your self-care, all of those things are a huge piece of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. The the biggest piece of that that stands out to me as you as you're talking Julie is that there's minimal to no guidance for young adults of how to deal with what has happened the last 3 years but also to move forward in the next x amount of years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, even like as therapists, you know, we didn't have a handbook on how Mm-mm. to deal with this or do this with our clients. And, you know, we were going through it right there with them for the first time. And even down to like, we we kind of brought this up in our pre-show of like, even some of like the political climate stuff of like, what's going on, what's happening here, like all of those things. And I'll actually never forget, like, 
one of my clients, I was in a session during the insurrection. My client had the TV on mute in front of her and she's like, oh my God, you have to turn on the t- a television. You have to see this. And we like sat there together and watched it live. And I was like, wow, this is kind of surreal. Like, And then it kind of actually brought me back personally to sitting in my, you know, sophomore year of high school watching the planes hit for 9-11 and like a very surreal type moment and remembering like they were like well this will never like this is a first and this has never happened and all these things kind of were brought up and the same types of feelings and discussing that like in live with a client was a first (laughs) to to be like candid about it right like and she she was like I don't know what to say and I was she's like I was like, I, she's like, you don't need to say or have anything to say because, you know, we're both here together right now watching. And I was like, you're right. Okay. Like, and, you know, kind of came to a conversation of like, she was glad that we were able to be together in that moment to just kind of see it. So just like not be feeling alone, right? Back to this idea of loneliness too, of like somebody else was there with me experiencing this and like real time also feeling a lot of the same feelings and able to verbally express those and not feel as alone mm-hmm. in that said moment. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast uh, is the importance of community. <laughs> right? Um, The importance of just feeling like you have people around you that can understand at least to some degree or also going through it with you. Just the importance. Again, this is like all, it's all wrapped up together, right? Like going through it together, not being lonely, feeling understood, feeling validated, like all of these things. And, you know, I'm curious, Julia, in your opinion, do you I guess two things. Do you see young individuals, and so I'm talking like young adulthood adolescents, being able to have that sense of community? And what are, I guess, the benefits of them having that community or the the negative side effects, question mark? I'm not sure if that's the word I want to use there, of not having community. It's a broad question, but I, I, I think you get what I'm putting down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have some thoughts about it. So I think about yeah, kind of like the broad spectrum of ages that I work with. So I also kind of am thinking about too, when the pandemic first hit, um, I was working on uh, the partial hospitalization level. And those are people that are really struggling with just like their day to day, right? And needing some support throughout the day and having to look at them at in a screen and be like, yeah, hi, here we are. And I can't be, I don't feel, this doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't feel human. It doesn't feel that like deep sense of connection that comes from like group therapy and those kinds of things that people are really needing, super lacking. And I I really felt it. Yeah, I was right there with you. It was hard doing partial um, via Zoom, right? Like via, via, like, I forget what we're even using at that point, but like, Doxy? Uh, not even. Uh, we, but it was like partial, uh, like, and you just, I personally, like, I felt like I was just like, to also like tethered to the computer, like yep. way more and not able to move. And it was just adjusting to all of that. It was a lot. Um, yeah. And, but then also like that idea of like 
were treating clients for, you know, I was specifically treating clients for depression and, you know, they were isolating already and we're now like, be like, no, you have to stay home. And it's like, okay, like, how are we going to deal with this? Like, what are we going to do? What are the rules? What are the parameters like yeah. for day to day? And yeah, like it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with the two of you from 2020 to 2021. I was seeing anyone from the age of four to 18 in crisis. Mm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. How do you do that over, over zoom and be effective? Although I will say that in our case, and anyone I think who works with kids in like a community behavioral health setting knows this, is that during the school year, it tends to be very, very busy. And then during the summer, it tends to be a little slower. And that's a whole conversation about school systems and all of that. And (laughs) we don't have to, as we like to say, that can be a whole nother episode. But it was this, this sense of, okay, they, they don't have all the stressors from school right now, not really because they don't have to go into school, but now they have all these other stressors. And how do you support, which I think is what you're both basically saying, right? Is how do you support Mm -hmm. someone through a computer when they're going through something that no one really has any answers or solutions to at that moment? Yeah. Yeah. My thought here is like, so we're talking about three years ago, right? And today, Julie, what are some of the things that you're seeing show up in therapy as the implications of those times with your clients? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also to kind of, I'll tie in like two of the questions you guys, mm. guys kind of, kind of asked is we like, we did ask a lot, didn't we? No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just making sure that I'm answering them. It's so easy for me to be like, let me go off on this tangent. That's all right. Us too. You're not alone. Okay. <laughs> uh, I get so excited about talking about these things that sometimes I forget to answer the questions. But the community piece is, you know, I do see kids connecting over internet, like chat rooms more, which is an interesting place to, that's an interesting topic. So like things like Discord for some kids are like such a positive place and then other places super scary and so that's something that I still see happening you know now that you can still you can go out and go to school and have after school stuff and uh people who have social anxiety I think um it really reinforced some of those behaviors you know is like avoidance and I talk to people who are like I felt really good when we got to shut down like I felt like a like a sigh of relief because I was like, you know, people are saying to me, like, I am always anxious and feel awkward in the world. And so now other people feel that way. And now I get to be alone and that's good. And, but now, you know, things like maybe addiction to gaming or dynamics with strangers that in some ways I've seen be really beneficial in some ways I've been seen be really harmful coming up for maybe like those younger teens, tweens, you know, and for parents, I think it's just like a really important conversation to have with your kid about who they're interacting with. And I think I see more of it because kids are more willing to be honest with me than their parents. And having to navigate that is a really interesting um, challenge. So I guess to answer the second question is just um, a delay and maybe some developmental skills that some people do tend to develop just like in their normal average, like high school life. And some people who are more wired to things like anxiety or depression might have been 
you know, more triggered by, by the events of like isolation. And now, now I think they're really feeling the effects of it. If you're looking for some extra support with your mental health, now is a great time to see a therapist. Our practice has therapists located in 24 states across the country, and we have three local offices in the Philadelphia area. Don't let sad girl summer become depressed girl fall. Book your appointment now. I had a conversation recently with a friend who substitute teaches. And she was saying how, you know, she, she teaches a bunch of different grades and, and was saying how fifth graders, you know, they were great. They were su- super like actually really great with their social skills, things like that. And then she substituted uh, a third grade class. And so in 2020, they would have been what, kindergarten, first grade, depending on like. Yeah. I'd kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. And she was saying how like some of their just, not just their social skills, but even some of like their ability to like reason through some things and like I forgot the example she used uh, but let's say let's say it was something along the lines of a kid was like oh my pencil broke and they couldn't figure out how to further go and be like oh I should go get a new pencil or like I should go sharpen my pencil or something like that and we were having a discussion of like we wonder if that is an effect of the pandemic or maybe it's just those particular students or, you know, that school or, you know, that class, whatnot. But Julie, do you see like younger than adolescents? Like, do you see like kids, like little kids? Not little littles, but I will see like, I usually will say like 10 and up is like my little, I think where my expertise is. Yeah. Yeah. Pocket's a good word. Yeah. So uh, definitely the kids end of elementary school kids that are in middle school I love the little middle schoolers even though I think that's that's my own little inner child that that loves the middle schoolers but um (laughs) you know yeah definitely I do see those younger ages yeah have you seen those skills also maybe not being what they would typically be for a third grader let's say do you see those skill types of skills also struggling along with some of those social skills for some of the little littles yeah, I think the asking for help, advocating for yourself, regulating your emotions are things that are you learn interpersonally. You learn that through how others react, how your teachers react to you. And, you know, and I also like your parents were trying to work from home and also be teachers and also like, you know, cope with uh, the traumatic event too. And so, yeah, there was just like some delay in that. Right. And I definitely see that. And with the kids that maybe are like tween age who had access to like internet, like they have access to things that are so adult, you know, and then they have like the ability to regulate and process content that's not adult like at all. And so that's like a little bit of a scary thing too. Things I talk about with kids. It's like, I watch these scary videos online and my parents didn't know that I was watching that. It was on YouTube, but there's still some stuff on there that's not great. Or, um, you know, I had this relationship with someone that was too old to have a relationship with over the internet. So they're like doing things or viewing things, observing things that are real adult traumas. Like I would consider some of the things that they're doing is like very traumatic, but just with the ability to process it as maybe even someone younger than they are because of the delay in 
being able to cope and speak about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is making me think about the podcast episode we did with Becca, our other one of our other therapists, about just, you know, kids, adolescents, um, social media, you know, all of all of those things. And I guess, you know, Julia, for you, when you, when you're working with kids where you're seeing some of those behaviors, right? Uh, what are some of your suggestions for maybe how to for parents to navigate it or how to even just talk to kids about it in general? Yeah. Yeah. First, I think just being open to just being a listener, because we come in with very, you know, preconceived notions about what the internet is like. And I'm, I'm someone that growing up was, and I'm sure you guys were too, like, still very plugged into the internet. Actually, I remember you guys talking about that on that episode, right? And like having access to social media. But even that experience is so different than nowadays. And so like, sometimes I want to come in and be like, well, I know, you know, (laughs) I know this and I know that, but their experiences are so unique and different. So first, just like being open to listening and not judging, especially if you hear, well, I have friends on the internet. And your first thing is like, that's dangerous and scary and bad and stop that. They'll still do it, right? Like they'll still find a way. I, they're so good at finding a way of connecting with people and for better or for worse. And yeah, it's not all bad. But the more that you're willing to be a listener and non-judgmental, I think the more willing teenagers and kids are willing to have that conversation. You know, you don't have to like act cool or like be the, you know, like I'm a cool therapist or whatever, or I'm a cool parent <laughs> kind of thing. But um, it's they really just want to be heard and listened to and not feel like we're, you know, like boomers or something in their minds. Unfortunately, you know that we are going to be considered yeah. like boomers someday. Yeah. 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 Oh, the worst is when they say, okay, boomer to me, you know, and they usually do it in a joking way. They usually do it in a joking way. I've never gotten, but like, I'm like, don't, like it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think the listening and trying, trying to be like as open-minded as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, I think we were really indoctrinated on the stranger danger thing, you know, so. Mm. I was, I was live in like, you know, AOL chat room, yeah. Yahoo group chats, ASL people. Where, where? Oh yeah, ASL. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's true. But I do, I, I do really like that, that like, just listen, just put, I always, I say this to couples a lot, is like, put your ego aside and just like listen to what the other person is saying, right? That can apply to parents too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not about you sometimes, parents, and you just gotta like take yourself out of it and like hear what they are actually saying and recognize like they're not saying it to hurt you; they're saying it so you understand them. And I think in tolerating emotions of others is such an important thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And and here's the thing, as you pointed out, Julie, right? Like you can still have cautions. Like you can still be like cautious and say t- teach safety. That's something that Becca had touched on in that episode too, right? Like talk about these things. Like talk about safety. Talk about things to look out for, and also like recognize that your child might be benefiting mm-hmm. from discord or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I, I, I just listen. That's the tagline for the episode. Just listen. Just listen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell parents all the time, like, 
let's talk about your grounding technique. So mm-hmm. you're maybe you're hearing, I mean, I don't think it's that unexpected that maybe a parent might be hearing a kid talking about a friend on the internet and think about a time that maybe they were groomed on the internet or mm-hmm. they were exposed to something really scary and that triggering your fight or flight. So why don't you say, okay, I'm going to run to the bathroom super quick before we have this conversation. And then I'm all ears, splashing some cold water on your face, doing like a quick body scan, taking some deep breaths, giving yourself a mantra, right? Like that, um, you know, what my kid's about to say to me, yeah, it's not about me or it's, you know, different. And I think that's like a really powerful skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of bopped around a little bit today, I realize, in this episode. <laughs> you know, we've, we've kind of bopped around from like pandemic and young adults and adolescents and transitions and then community and all of, all of these things, <laughs> which is okay. We can have a bopped around episode. But, you know, going back to, to young adults and these transitions, the topic feels unfinished in my mind, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want more, right? Like yep. I, I want to yeah. know more how to not just offer support, but I think to, to even maybe be aware for myself is like I am not technically a young adult, technically. <laughs> But that we all are experiencing these side effects from the last three years, right? And how do we take care of ourselves? How do we talk with each other? How do we build this sense of community? It just feels not this not this topic, not this conversation, but the whole thing just feels unfinished. If that makes it does. sense, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. Like, just thinking, you know, about the early twenties, right? Your first job, your all those things that occur from that, like twenty two to twenty four five-year range, 27-year range, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of changes that are happening. And as a society, we always say like, oh, high school is really hard. Like there's a lot of changes going on in high school. There's a lot of things happening in high school, like navigating, you know, puberty and friends and first loves and all those things. And then we don't really talk about actually like how hard our 20s are, right? There's so many things that occur in our 20s, right? Like we go to college, you know, 18, 19, we graduate anywhere from 21 to 22, maybe 23, depending if you're, you know, extended or fifth year, or, you know, just took you a little longer to get through. But during that time, there's, and then like after, there's just so many things that occur, right? Like you're considered an adult, you get a job, you get a significant other, maybe you date casually, maybe you don't, maybe you start dating somebody older than you, maybe you date somebody younger than you. There's, you know, parent things like the relationship with your parents even changes a little bit because you're quote unquote an adult and, you know, friendships change, people move, babies, death, marriages, jobs, all of the above. I feel like not, not enough is said about how hard those years actually are. Yep. And we talked about loneliness too. Like I'll out myself for a second is I'm still in my late twenties. So I, you know, um, I experienced the pandemic in kind of like my mid twenties. And I always like to validate for people that 
that just like life period too is like kind of an isolating experience where yeah you still have friends and things like that but you're learning about yourself or the way you think about your friends is different and or maybe you don't have friends like that's I think a reality for a lot of people like okay I moved to somewhere else and I don't have friends and you know and I lived by myself during the pandemic and with my with my cat (laughs) and he's my bff but you know i lived in a studio apartment uh, by myself i was working virtually and i thought i was like almost like uh kind of like a freak i don't know (laughs) like that's the best word for it like i was like i'm by myself like and like this is weird and like like there's something wrong with me you know like i get to see other people like interacting with their families or breaking like COVID guidelines and like I'm here alone mm-hmm. and like like uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like it's it was really hard you yeah. know and so I have so much empathy for people who like can be honest and real about that and I like to name it too because it's like that that really is like it's the loneliness that can come with being in your 20s is real and 20s might mean something very different than when your parents were in their 20s you know for me it's definitely a lot different than when my parents were in their 20s my mom had me by the time that she was my age right and had a house and yeah it's it's there's no blueprint for it no no (laughs) not at all and I think just in general too of like clocking also like what those around you are doing and comparing yourself to others is hard um you know it's it's not a one size fits all and there's choices and things that happen in your 20s that you know really give you a space to learn and grow and become yourself and we're not saying that stops you know once you're done your 20s no it keeps going but it's it's a lot and there's not a one size fits all and there's you know, choices that are made sometimes because you think that's what's best for you right then. And it might have been what was best for you right then. And then that doesn't work for you in a couple of years down the line. And so then you have to make other choices. But that's, I think, the beauty of life and living is we can always continue to make other choices when a choice, an original choice doesn't fit us any longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that because a lot of people are like, well, if I do this now, then the rest of my life will be like this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, LOL, you know, like, LOL, um, not true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not true whatsoever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can start your life in one direction and change it, you know, 20 years, five years down the line. Yeah. It's okay. Um, it's okay to figure yourself out and the autonomy that comes without like having a blueprint is kind of scary and anxiety provoking but at the same time it's like um something that I tell people and something that like really grounds me is you know if life doesn't have this like kind of prescription then you know I think happiness and contentment is just about doing the best you can in each moment um it's just moment by moment by moment um it's not like you need to you need to find the the meaning to life because I don't think I don't think a lot of people do. Um, if I could find that, I would probably tell everyone it and solve the world's problems. But I think it's it's so unique and it's 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 not a one size fits all, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that we've said on this podcast a lot is like there are no rules, and yeah. my partner 
every time he hears us say it on the podcast, he takes credit because he's the one who tells me it all the time. <laughs> but like there there are no rules, right? And it, a lot of times in our 20s, it feels like we've got to have X thing by a certain time. We've got to accomplish this by a certain time. We've, and like there's so much life to live outside of your 20s. Like so much wonderful, beautiful life that can happen and does happen outside of your 20s. And I hope people hold on to knowing that. Yeah. I like to – like my metaphor for life is, you know, it's – and this is – I'm going to date myself a little bit. So it's like getting a roadmap and looking at it on the front seat of your car but having the windows rolled down and the roadmap flies out and lands on the front windshield and you can like kind of see where you're supposed to be going but not really. And so you're just kind of – driving a little blindly trying to figure it out by like half looking, but like also keeping an eye on the road and life is literally just laughing at you as you try to read that roadmap of like sucker, like you got to figure this out without making all the concrete plans. Just Mm -hmm. drive. Yeah. Yeah. So Julie, I know we're getting towards the end of our episode and thinking about, you know, the the populations that you work with and specifically, obviously, talking about adolescents and young adults, whether they're ready for therapy or not, are there any resources that you can think of that you would recommend for people to, to use just getting through those life transitions and just being in, you know, again, maybe high school or in their early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, whatever it is, that can just help them through all the various life transitions that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, First, I would say is to find your people, and that's hard work. And even if it's not like the people that you will spend the rest of your life with, just find people that feel like a safe community, that feel safe to be your authentic self. That's a lot of work and seems really simple, me just saying that out loud. Like, I think that's an easy thing to do. But, you know, the more you can practice, like, being vulnerable and just showing who you are, I wish that I could, like, put this like implant this into people's heads it's like just be you and I know that sounds so simple but you might be rejected by more people because people are really scared by vulnerability I sound like Brene Brown right now but um (laughs) (laughs) but the more you show yourself the more your your people are going to show up so being able to practice that vulnerability and also like finding mentors if it's possible. I think now we can see people who are established adults, quote unquote, who can help you, you know, with that and people that you trust. I think there's more, you know, like queer joy out there, Mm -hmm. meaning like people who can actually you know, talk about those things that are adults and we're not just hearing horror stories about like being a queer adult. And then also just like taking care of yourself and and tapping into like, am I finding that most days I'm like feeling out of my own skin or out of my own body? And how do I, how do I feel more grounded? And so I kind of like mentioned those things too, but like checking in with yourself, having some times where you're disconnected from the world um, which might seem like the opposite of what I just said, but <laughs> um, but that's important too. And just really like getting to know yourself and exploring with yourself. 
And I think that makes you set up to be a really like successful adult. Yeah, definitely. You said that beautifully. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julie, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was really amazing talking with you today. I feel like I'm walking away with all new tools for my adolescence. Yes. As as we always say, like that could be a completely other episode. And we have a number of topics from this episode that could be completely (laughs) other episodes. Right, right. (laughs) But thank you. We really appreciated talking with you today. And hopefully we'll have you back again soon at some point yes yes thank you all so much you're welcome well see you later all right bye everybody have a great day bye everyone bye thanks for listening to the therapy for women podcast to suggest a topic submit a question or find a qualified therapist visit therapyforwomencenter.com